This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And so today, we're going to be talking about how you can know and follow God's specific plan for your life. How many know that God has a specific plan for your life? How many of you think you know right now, and this is not a set-up question, just asking you, how many know in your heart what you're supposed to be doing for God today? I'm not talking about preaching or all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, your, your job life, family life, where you're living, what you're doing in life. How many know that you have a pretty good idea in your heart the direction of life God wants you to go? Your life goes, what you want to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, see, we're going to be talking about how you can know specifically God's plan for your life. And so I want to start off with by looking at Jeremiah chapter 29. And this is our theme verse for the year. Every year, we, uh, at, as one year is closing out, we seek the Lord. I usually seek the Lord the fall time of the year for the next year. Lord, what do you want to speak to our church for the year? What do you want us to look at to get a handle on? And the Lord gave me Jeremiah 29:11 for our theme verse as a church family for 2017. And I'm going to read this out of the NIV Bible. Because I like the way this says it so well. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you. Isn't it nice to know that God has plans for you? It's nice to know that. You know, I think about uh, some things I've seen. I don't want to preach on this part too long, but sometimes you think about things in people's lives. Because the number one thing we're here for is to help you. When you come in, if you come to church, you want to know God better. If you don't know Him at all, you come into church, it's a good place to meet Him. Find out about him, but then after you know him, it's a good thing to hear something that will help you live everyday life. Has anybody ever seen somebody that started building a house somewhere, they ran out of money or something happened, or they stopped, you got a foundation and a wall up or something like that? Well, you know, there's lots of Christian lives like that. They start getting that first thing laid, the foundation. They get born again, they start living for Jesus, and then something happens, they quit building. They stop in the project. And so there's somebody that they started following the plan that was laid out, but then they stopped following the plan. And so it's one thing to know that God has a good plan for your life. It's another thing to stick with it till you actually finish the project. What's the, what's, what's the finish of the project? You live a long life, live a healthy life, you impact your family, your friends, you do what you're supposed to do for God on this earth, you get old. As you just get so old, you just get tired of living. Think, it's time to go. And we read the Bible, that's very possible. We saw so many times in the Old Testament, the leaders of the Old Testament says they, they would be old and in their bed, and they call their kids around, and their grandkids around, and their great-grandkids. It says they lay hands on them and bless them. They say, well, I've done all I know to do. I've taught you all I can teach you. I went as far as I want to go, and I'm ready to go home now. And so they bless them. And this says they just simply gave up the ghost, and they died. Not sick, not all timered out, just time to go. And so that is the completed project. You've done what you know you're supposed to do on this earth, and then you get to heaven. And then Jesus taught a parable. He said he wants to be able to say to everybody who comes to heaven, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou the presence of thy Lord. That's the finished project. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm living for. I want to do all God wants me to do for my family, 
for the people God's called me to minister to and be a blessing to people in general. That's what I want to do. And so that's that's going to be the end of my project. So that's that's what God wants us to do is follow that plan. But anyway, so I don't know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And by the way, let me throw something in here, a little personal story. I just saw what I saw that. Back uh, lots of years ago, in between phases of ministry, we'd ministered in Indiana for 20-some years or longer. But we was in between phases. We'd pastored for a lot of years, had a good ministry out there, things were going on. And went through a season there where we knew there's a transition coming in our life. And I remember every day... I felt so lost and hopeless about what we're supposed to do now. And I would, I would pray this prayer. I'd say, Lord, I said, I know you know. I said, it'd be nice if you clue me in. I want to know, too. I know you're not done with me. I know you got things you want to do. And I remember I just cried out and said, Lord, I know you know. But I can't do it till I know. And I've got to know what the next step is. And by walking with God, I'd walked long enough, had enough successful Christian ministry under my belt, that I knew there was something else. And, you know, as you look at that passage there, Jeremiah 29, he says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And so I know that there come a point in time in my heart that I found out there was a church in California that was crying out for their next pastor. It was this church. And so that we followed the plan from Indiana to California. It's been a good plan. We've loved the plan. But how many know that it's really kind of hard to get from Indiana to California in the flesh, if you don't know you're supposed to be there. That's quite a change in culture, in physical surroundings and everything else. But when you pick up something in your heart about the plan of God, you can make the change. Job change, career change, physical location change, whatever it is in life, when you know the plan of God then you get the grace of God to do it. Amen? And so he said, I know the plans I have for you. That's what we're going to be talking about today, is how to find out that plan for your life. Anyway, he says, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. You've always got to know that. You know, sometimes it looks like you're going backwards, but you're really going forwards when you're obeying God. Sometimes it looks like you're making a a dumb, dumb decision, but when you learn to follow God with your heart and not your head, you always come out on top. You know, I think about that trip to California. We came out here and interviewed with the people that were the trustees of the church at the time about coming out here to see if they wanted us, see if we wanted them, see if we wanted to be out here. And so we knew in our hearts this is where God wanted us. And so we packed up everything out of, <laughs> I don't know, 30, 30 years or longer of living, married, and all that kind of stuff to come out here, put it all in the back of a truck, left the rest of it there, Told people, hey, anybody wants us to come and get it. Had lots of good stuff. We left that wouldn't fit. And we come out here, didn't have a salary set on money or anything. Didn't have a house to live in out here, picked out or anything like that. We knew where God wanted us. And all the way out here, we got a, but they didn't have cell phones by then, so we had a cell phone. All the way out here in the truck, got a call from the people here at the church and said, by the way, we got a house found for you. We think you're going to like it. They said, yeah, we'll like it. Thank you. Here's your phone number if you want your phone number. I said, yeah, get my phone number. That'd be nice to have, too. And we got out here. We was out here a couple of weeks, and they told them what they are going to pay us, and we liked it. And it was good. But the main thing was, the number one thing was, we knew in our heart it's the plan of God. And we knew that if God was there, and he wanted us to be there, that God would take care of the money. God would take care of the house. 
God would take care of everything else. And then, you know, the, the amazing thing about it, we've got eight children. And, of course, they were all pretty much grown by the time this phase of our life. And so we got out here, and one by one, the children began to relocate. Amen. So, so we have three of our children here now, families here, et cetera, et cetera. And God began to send the family out here with us to follow the plan of God. And so you can't measure the plan of God with your understanding. You begin to know things in your heart. And Hebrews eleven six says that faith pleases God. And so faith is knowing what God wants to do. And then in spite of obstacles, in spite of negative human reasoning, begin to follow what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. So God, God wants us to be able to know that. So he says, his plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. How many have ever heard of the story of Moses in the Bible, who Moses was? Amen. Well, I think about Moses, that Moses lived 40 years with Pharaoh and in that that, that earthly system of Pharaoh, and then he tried to do what he believed God called him to do, and he was right, God didn't call him to do it, but he got premature and he blew it. And then how would you like to live from the age 40 to 80, out in the middle of desert? I thought about real desert over there in the Middle East. Just trying to figure out what to do next for your life for 40 years, knowing that God was real, God had something in your heart for 40 years, out there taking care of sheep. Would that kind of get looking hopeless after about 40 years? You think, man, I know i got a call. I know I'm supposed to do great things for God. After 40 years out there roving around seeing what to do, and finally one day, that bush out there, we know what those things are now because we live here with you guys. <laughs> We're here. That thing, that creosote bush catches on fire and starts burning. And then all of a sudden, a voice comes out of the bush and says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Oh, man, it looks like desert dirt to me. <laughs> All these tumbleweeds, everything. This is holy ground. Wherever you go, when God shows up, it's holy ground. And so at, at 80 years old then, at 80 years old, he saw that he had a future to hope. And so then he had 40 more years. He got to fulfill the plan of God. So why did I say that? I said that to say this. No matter who we are in here, no matter what our age is, or no matter how long it's looked, like, I know there's better, I know there's better, I know there's better. God said, I've got a plan for your life. Said it's a prosperous future. There's hope in your future. And God wants it to come to pass. And so that's what we want to look at. No matter where you are, if you've got your eyes on Jesus and you've got your heart set, you want to please Jesus, it's not hopeless. It's not over. You're not too stupid. You're not too uneducated. You're not born on the wrong side of the tracks. Whatever it is, when you're born again, you're able to tap in to the wisdom of God. You're able to tap into the knowledge of God. You're able... To yield to the Holy Spirit of God in your heart to show you what to do and then supernaturally bless what you're doing. Let me give you my definition of supernatural. 
Everything we do in life, what we do with the Spirit of God, when He puts His Spirit on it, it becomes anointed, it becomes supernatural things. How many have read the Bible about laying on of hands? It says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, everybody pretty much, unless they've been through something bad in life, has hands. Sinners have hands. Christians have hands. Sinners lay hands on somebody say, you can do it, man, don't give up. That's just a good thing to do. But when you're a Christian, you said, lay hands on the name of Jesus. And so this natural thing just becomes supernatural because Jesus blessed it. Amen. And, and your money. I think about, you know, talking about money today, about tithing and managing things like that. Well, there's lots of good causes out there that sinners give to and other people give to all the time. That's just a good thing. You put money in something. That's just a nice thing. You help somebody. But God said, put 10% in my offering and I'll open the windows of heaven. It becomes supernatural. Money's a natural thing. But when you let God use your money, it becomes a supernatural thing. God puts the anointing on the money you gave and it becomes supernatural giving. Supernatural things begin to happen. God said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And on and on and on and on. Well, I think about what I'm doing right now. Politicians make good speeches. And that's natural things. Natural words come out. Politicians, if it's your favorite politician, whatever political belief you have, that you think, that's really good, that encourages me, man, I want to do that, I want to support them, I want to go for it. That's natural words. There's no anointing in them. Preachers don't make speeches. Preachers by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say things with words. And then God anoints those words. Those natural words become supernatural words. And people will leave a service where there's anointed man or woman of God talking, and they'll talk amongst themselves and say, Did you tell him about me? How do you know about that? Why, when he said that, he said, I don't know why I'm saying that, but it told me exactly what I've been praying. That's what I needed to hear. Those natural become supernatural. And so our plans, when we follow the plan of God, may seem like a natural thing. But as we step out in obedience to obey what God put in our heart to do, it becomes a supernatural thing. God will open doors. How many know that when the children of Israel wandered around the wilderness, they come to the Red Sea? Amen. They got to the Red Sea, great big bunch of water, and they got to it. And Moses stood there for a stick in his head. And there's a lot of people that had sticks in their hands to hurt somebody with or something. You know, you think about the people, those parades, they got the sticks, the batons, they throw them up in there and put on a good show. Moses stood there, held up the stick, and when he did, the ocean spread. And the people went through it. And so it was a natural thing to begin to walk out of Egypt. But when they followed the plan of God, held up a stick. And it becomes Supernatural. And so I'm saying that for our lives, we begin to follow what God puts in our hearts to do. God will begin to do things we can't see that will open doors that we can see. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so God wants to give you hope in the future. And I saw this definition about plan in the business dictionary. And it says this. And see if this doesn't sound like a lot of Bible truth that we know. Uh, a plan, a business plan is this, a written account of intended future course of action, scheme, 
aimed at achieving specific goals or objectives within a specific time frame. That's what the Bible does. The Bible shows you how to live out your future, shows you what to do now, and shows you objectives. You know, I think about the Bible talks about husband and wife relationships. The Bible talks about parent-child relationships. The Bible talks about healing things, prosperity things, job things. The Bible tells us things that we can do if we'll follow the written plan. It explains in detail what needs to be done, when, how, and by whom, and often includes best case, expected case, and worst case scenarios. And, you know, I think about that dictionary. That's, that's, that's just a natural definition in a business dictionary for business people to understand. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It tells you what you can expect if you continue to live a life of sin. It says you can expect things to die around you. You can expect maybe even premature death of your life, death of your marriage, death of your financial things. Death and whatever it is, that's the wages of sin. So sin does pay, but it's payment's called death. Things die out. And then the Bible says that the, that the ways of the righteous are blessed. It tells you what to expect in life if you do what it says to do and who's to do it. You know, the thing about when you become living for God, you can't blame it on anybody else anymore. It's on you. You're the one who has to give an account for what things that happen in your life. And so you might as well you might as well get established in your heart that you can blame nobody for where your life is but you. And nobody can determine how your future is going to turn out but you. You're the one that have to make the choice of what you're going to do. And so the Bible's the plan, and God said He's got the good plan. So the Bible is God's plan for the human race. The Bible is God's plan for the human race. Tells us everything we need to know to live a happy, healthy, prosperous, totally satisfied, fulfilled, long life on this earth. Everything we need to know. And when we die, it tells us how to make the move to heaven and live forever with God. And our friends and loved ones that receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior while on earth. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'll tell you what, this is such a joyful, joyful message today to help us see what to do, where we are at this time in life, to live a satisfied, fulfilling life where we get up in the morning time instead of saying, Good Lord, this morning. We say, Good morning, Lord. This is the day you've made. I rejoice. I'm glad in it. Oh, Lord, I'm so happy. I get to go to my job again today. Oh, Lord, I'm so happy. I get to go out there again today. Lord, I'd do this even if I had to pay to do it. I love what I'm doing so much. When you're following the plan of God for your life, it's not all about money anymore. It's about enjoying life. And then I know that for me, in my life, I enjoy what I do, and I even get paid to do it. That's just such a bonus. But see, that's the way it's supposed to be. When you're following God's plan for your life, you don't care about things anymore. But because you, Matthew 6, put the kingdom of God first, the things catch up with you. And they follow you. But you're not following after the things anymore. That's Matthew 6, if you're taking notes. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20. Exhortation that God had Moses give the children of Israel. 
lead them into the promised land. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I circled that in my Bible. God said, you've got choices. He said, I've given you the choice. Choose life. Why? That both thou and thy seed may live. That means that both you and your children, your family can be blessed by God. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God. That thou mayest obey his voice. And the primary way that God's going to talk to each and every one of us is through the voice of his word. We read the Bible, and that's the voice of God talking to us. Whether you ever hear anything from any voices or not makes no difference. This is God's voice written down right here on pages. Obey his voice that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore to thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So the Bible's God's plan that teaches us right from wrong, and the Bible warns us, choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Christians need to get that in their hearts and in their thinking. Everybody, every day, has multiple choices. You know, some choices aren't as serious as others, but I think about it. You point to the long, 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 long traffic light, and nobody's coming for a long time, and you know, this that light that seems like it stays like this for five minutes. And so you think, and you look around. Don't see anybody. Well, you're taking a chance and making a choice that if there's really nobody around there with the little red-blue light thing going on, then your choice, you got to work two minutes earlier. But if he's there, you got to work ten minutes later, plus three or four hundred dollar ticket to pay. There was consequences, amen. And sometimes, sometimes choices, you make, you make choices, they can cost you your job. Everybody's doing it, so why don't I? But then when everybody gets caught, everybody gets in trouble. But if you make the right choice, no, this is what the boss said, don't do. This is what we're supposed to do. I'm going to do it. So everybody else loses their job and you're still there because you made the right choice in life. And that's the whole thing in our life. God sits before us right and wrong. You choose right and he says you choose blessing. You choose wrong and you put yourself back under the curse that's on the whole earth. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse. So we live in Jesus and let Jesus live through us. We can live free from the curse. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Choices have consequences. God has given to each and every one of us the power of choice. We have the power of choice. God said, I've said this before you. He said, but God said, I encourage you. Make the right choice. Choose life. He said, I encourage you. Choose life. And God's given us the power of choice and a free will to make our own choices. The free will to make our own choices. And like the business dictionary definition, when we choose to do what we learn from the Bible by our words and our actions. Now listen to this. When we choose to do what we know to do from the Bible by our choice and actions, we're saying, God, I choose to follow your plan so my family and I can be blessed. I want to say that again. God said that when we choose the blessing, he said, you and your seed will live. I like being blessed. 
I like my family being fully protected and covered. I like knowing that the Holy Spirit is with me and free to do what He wants to do to make sure my family's taken care of. And so when you do right, you're saying, I'm choosing life so my family and I can be blessed. But now listen to this. You don't want to hear this if you're doing wrong, but you should want to hear this if you're doing wrong. When we choose to live contrary to what we see in the Bible, we're saying by our actions, God, I choose to walk away from your plan and walk away from your blessings and place myself and my family back under the curse that's on the earth. I want to say that again. You know, preachers don't always tell you what you want to hear, but we tell you what you need to hear. I'm not the one saying this. God said this. God said this. Choose life so both you and your seed may live. And so when we choose to obey what we know is right from the Bible, we're saying, Lord, I choose to place myself under your full blessing. But when we choose, Lord, I want to do it my way. I don't agree with what the Bible says there. I don't agree with what I know you're saying there, Lord. That's too hard. That's too tough. I can't do it. Then you're saying, I choose to get out beneath your blessing and get back under the curse again and take my chances on my own. Am I stretching that? Is that what he said? And so that's, that's why we come to church to hear from the Bible how to follow the plan of God and how to do it. Nothing is impossible with God. We've got to always remember, we've got to always remember, we have two enemies we have to deal with. Number one enemy is the devil. The number two enemy is you and your unrenewed mind. And your flesh that says, I want to go one way when your heart's telling you to go this way. And so, to me, the devil's easy to take care of than my flesh is. Jesus told me, resist the devil and he flees from me. As I say, Satan, I bind you. I rebuke you by the blood of Jesus. Get out of here. He has to go. He shuts up. But then I look at the mirror at me, the one on the outside. I have to point my finger at me sometimes on the outside. I say, hey, I'm the guy on the inside. I'm looking at you on the outside. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to tell me what to do today. I'm going to tell you, here's what we're going to do today. No, we're not going to watch those things. No, when we come into this situation we're coming into, I'm telling you, outside man, you're going to keep your mouth shut. Temper, you're not going to rise. I tell you right now, Mr. Outside Man, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He said, go the extra mile. He said, forgive. You be forgiven. He said, my faith works by love. So I'm telling you right now, outside man, you're going to shut up. Me, the guy on the inside that's born again, I'm going to control you today. I'm going to tell you, this is how it's going to go. Amen. What am I doing when I do that? I'm choosing life. I'm choosing the blessing of God. God does not work in hatred. God does not work in foul words coming out of the mouth, cussing somebody out and giving them peace of your mind. God works in love. And yes, you can always stand up for yourself. But you don't have to be angry. You can have righteous indignation. You don't have to cuss people out. 
You don't have to unload dump a bunch of stuff on people. But you can tell them what you're doing is wrong and it's not right. I forgive you, but I'll do whatever I need to do in line with the law, in line with the Word of God, because we're not going to take this sitting down, but I'm going to tell you I love you and I forgive you, but you're not going to do this. Amen. There's ways you've got to handle things, and when we lower ourselves to the ways of the world and want to get mad, get even, and just want to fight somebody all the time just to fight, we're never going to win in life. We've got to do things God's way. He said, well, thou thy seed may live. And so we've got to make the right choice to do what's right. And so, so for me, I choose the blessings. I choose the ways of God. I want you to look at Job chapter 32, verse 8. Job chapter 32, verse 8. That's right before the book of Psalms. I came across this verse years ago. And it's always blessed me and helped me to know that I'm hearing from God. Job's 32, verse 8, says this, But there's a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. The inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. What that means is this. Our head may not always understand, but our heart, our heart always knows right from wrong. Our heart always knows right from wrong. I want to say that again. Our head may not understand sometimes what's going on, but our heart always knows right from wrong. And so my main goal today is not in teaching you to read your Bible and pray and attend church consistently. By now, you ought to know that in your heart, that if you want God's best, you need to pray, read your Bible, go to church. But I want to show you today how to know and follow God's specific plan for your life. I want you to know now how to follow a specific plan for your life. But these other things we look at, they're prerequisites. You need to know these things and live this way. But uh, Jesus also told me to tell you, that he won't hold you responsible for what you don't know. You need to know this. Jesus won't hold you responsible for what you don't know, but he will hold you responsible for what you do know, and he'll judge you for it whether you do it or not. Jesus will not challenge you on what you don't know. But what you do know, he expects you to do because you're going to be judged for it when you stand before him. So you might as well get in position to do it. Amen? Amen. Now, Psalms 37, let's turn to Psalms 37, was instrumental in molding my early Christian life and give me a direction in what to do with my life. When I first got born again back in 1980, there were so many things that I saw in the Psalms that really, really, really helped me and blessed me. But Psalms 37 is one that carried me for years and years and years and years. And we're talking about knowing and following God's specific plan for your life. And so, some of the verses that I want to look at today, because they really helped transform me, get my mind in shape, and get my heart right to know that I was doing what God wanted me to do with my life. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about, you know, my life just day by day. That first part we're talking about, the plan of God is your day by day life, living Day by day, the Bible says, 
I've talked about when I was, I got born again at 28 and a half years old, and I'd been a truck driver since I was 18 years old. And so I'm talking about from the time, those first 10 years of truck driving, when I wasn't a born again Christian, I was just doing what I knew to do with life. I had to make money. Teacher's money was good money. Truck driving jobs was plenteous. My family was all truck drivers. So as soon as I got out of high school, right into trucking. And so that was a good life. But then when I got born again, I knew there was something different I wasn't seeing yet. I knew at 28 and a half years old that even without knowing anything about God or anything, I knew that, man, I'm going to live a lot longer than just right now. I've got a lot of years left. And on the inside of me, I knew that truck driving wasn't what I was supposed to stay forever and ever and ever and ever. I knew there was something different going on. And so I had to start finding out what the plan of God was. So I'm talking about way back then and what I'm doing now for the rest of my life, preaching now a whole lot longer than I ever truck drove. But the whole thing was I knew something was going on I didn't know about, so I wanted to see the overall picture. You know, you have to understand that in your life it's not a 60-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And so many times in our lives, we look at one little phase of our life, it's like looking at a snapshot or a photograph, but we need to be looking at the video. You stop the video, you're seeing one point in time, and you're saying, wow, that's my life. No, that's just one frame. In my life, if you looked at my life right now, I'd have a frame that said truck driver. Well, that frame was frozen years ago, and the video kept going. And I evolved to where, for a while my video, I was a TV preacher back in the Midwest. I was on TV twice a week, and saw people everywhere that knew me off of TV, and I didn't know who they were, but they knew me. Well, that was a video snapshot back then. I'm not that anymore. Now... I'm a preacher in the desert of Southern California. But if you looked at my life, the people that knew me as an unsaved truck driver years ago, we went back to Indiana several times since we've lived here. And I remember we went into McDonald's to get a cup of coffee and something, one of the little breakfast things or something one time back there. And while we were in McDonald's back in Indiana, this unsaved guy I knew from years ago did not have been a born-again Christian by that time, probably 25 years Preacher for lots of years, ready to be there, come up to me, started talking to old sinner truck driver, talked to me. Because he saw me in that phase of life, thought that's what I was. He didn't know my life kept going. And it had changed, and things had been different, I had different goals now. So I was able to witness to him a little bit, let him know, man, I don't do those things anymore. I, I gave my life to Jesus years and years ago. I'm a preacher now, and I don't even live in Indiana. I live in California now, and I preach to people in California visiting Indiana. So what I've said about your life, You've got to look beyond the screen where you are right now. You've got to know God wants this picture to keep going. He wants it to keep changing. But you've got to know what it is you need to change into. You've got to know what it is where it gets to the end, where it says the end, that you know this ending is just the beginning because you get ready to step into eternity. And you know that's something I realized about our Christian race years and years and years ago well, I've done funerals and things like that. I realized then that on a track, the same line that says finish is the same line that says start. It's the start-finish line. And so every phase of our life is a start-finish. We're finishing this phase, but it's not over. It's just starting the next phase. 
And so we need to know what to do. And so every person that ever leaves this earth, it's the finish line for here, but it's the starting line for there. And so we have to always be prepared for what's coming down the road. So the best thing to way to prepare is to know in your heart you're following God's plan for your life. Amen. His specific plan. You know, the Bible, you have to understand the Bible is the general plan for everybody's life. God wants everybody to be born again. After you're born again, God wants you to read the Bible. Everybody. After you're born again, God wants you to go to church. After you're born again, God wants you to be a tithing person. After you're born again, God wants you to serve and help people in life. That's for everybody. But there's a specific plan that God has for your life that uh, you need to be living every day and and advancing towards the goal. So Psalms 37, verse 3, says, Trust in the Lord. Well, that's good, isn't it? Amen. We'll always trust the Lord and do good. That's what we're talking about. Do good. It says, So shalt thou dwell or live in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. God's going to take care of you if you trust Him, if you do good. But then verse 4 and verse 5 are transformational verses for me. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass the desires He gives you. And look at verse 23, at verse 31. As a young Christian, these resonated day and night in my heart, in my soul, day and night. I spoke these, talked them, because they were what God gave me to be on the right road, doing the right thing at the right time. Verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse 31 says, The law of his God, that's the word of God, is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. And so at different phases of my life, no matter what it looked like, I'd quote Psalms 37, 23, and then I'd say this, I'm always at the right place at the right time because God's leading me. Psalms 37, 23. I'm always at the right place at the right time because God's leading me. Nothing's going to happen to me by chance or accident because I'm following the plan of God. Nothing is going to happen to me by chance or accident because I'm following the plan of God. And, you know, uh, I was looking at some notes from testimonies a few weeks ago. Somebody said that I always say this, and I have, but I got it off Brother Hagen. Get this from wherever you are in life. If right now you're frustrated and you're not where you want to be yet, write this statement down. I think it's going to help you. Preparation time is never wasted time. Preparation time is never wasted time. And so you may already know in your heart and be confident where God wants you to end up after the next phase of your life. But like everything else in the natural world, sometimes you have to be educated and take another class. You have to be at a higher grade and have passed this last test to get to the next one so you get to where you want to be in your career. Well, for where God wants you to be in life, He's ordered your steps day by day, week by week, month by month, season by season. There's things you have to learn about life and people that you don't know yet. 
And God knows that you don't know yet. And if you jump the ship and get out there ahead of him, the devil's going to eat your lunch. I want to say that again. If you don't go through the classes God has prepared for you to go through, and you get ahead of him, the devil's going to eat your lunch. So you have to go through these phases step by step, phase by phase. And then God, God will bring to pass what he put in your heart. Because you've got to always know this. It was God's plan before it was yours. It was God's plan before it was yours. Therefore, God wants it to come to pass more than even you do. Because God knows, God knows there's lives, families, people that are dependent on you to be at the right place at the right time because God's going to use you to help them. Amen. I think about how God prepares things. Think about Jonah. Jump ship. It says God had a big fish prepared. Think about the prophet, the, the, the prophet uh, Balaam, wanting to run from the plan of, God, plan of God. And God had a donkey start talking to him. And so I want to tell you, there's going to be some times in your lives that if you're getting out, out of the way, God's going to have something to catch you, but it may not be what you want. We're supposed to catch fish. Fish are supposed to catch us. Amen. Amen. We're supposed to control donkeys. Donkeys aren't supposed to control us. And so, you know, I just, I just, I just throw one thing out here that I've learned. I, I, I said so many times. Sometimes people that aren't even godly people cross the Christian's path, and they'll get the Spirit of God to come on, and they'll say something to you. You think, man, I'm not going to listen to this heathen. Well, God's Spirit comes on them sometimes and tells you something you need to hear. And I say, man, if God can use a donkey, he can use anybody. And so sometimes people say things to you you need to hear, and you don't like the source, so you reject it. But God's trying to get your attention. Amen. That's what Balaam told him. He said, oh, stupid donkey, don't talk to me. Donkeys don't tell me what to do. And then all of a sudden, God opened his eyes, and it wasn't the donkey. There was an angel standing there for a sword in his head. And he said, don't you realize? The donkey said, don't you realize I tried to save your life? Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. You guys are getting too quiet. So Psalms 37, 4 then, we want to look at this. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The desires of thine heart. Now hold your place. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see this. And I think this will clarify some things. For some of you, Ephesians 2, verse 1, he says, You have the quickened, talking to Christians, born, you have you made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, before we were born again, we were dead in our sin. Where in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. That's the plan of the world. The world has different plans than what God does. God's plans are for us to help people have more than enough and spend our money, our time, our energies on things that are going to have eternal significance. The world just cares about now pleasure, me, mine, and no more. Just what we can get 
It doesn't make any difference who gets hurt. Said we lived at that time when we were sinners, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. There's a Holy Spirit and the unholy spirit. The spirit of the devil works in people who are born again. Now look at this. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation. That means our manner of life in times past. In the lust of our flesh. Now look at this. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. The desires of the flesh and the mind. Is that word desires again? I want you to hold on to that. Desires of flesh and mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath even as others. So God says that not born again people have ungodly desires of the flesh and of the mind. Said Christians aren't supposed to live that way anymore. Now back to 37, Psalms 37, 4. He says this, Would you delight yourself in the Lord who give you the desires of your heart? That's why it says there's a thing called the desires of the mind and the flesh and desires of the heart when you're born again Christian. So there's an eternity of difference between God-given desires and your born again spirit and fleshly simple desires and your unrenewed mind. Do you see that? If you're going to find the plan of God... You're going to have to begin to tap into the spiritual arena. We're going to show you how. To where you're not following just the fleshly desires of the world, but the spiritual desires of the Spirit of God in your heart. And so to delight yourself in the Lord means to delight yourself, number one, in His Word. You've got to start loving the Bible. You've got to start loving studying the Bible, learning more about the Bible. Uh, have you heard the expression... I had a delightful time. Has anybody here ever had a delightful time? Amen. He says you're to have a delightful time with the Lord. So he can give you the desires of your heart. This means if you want to, if you went to a sporting event, on a date, family gathering, a movie, or something that you had pleasure in, that means you were delighted in it. You were having joy in it. You know, some people have a very delightful time going to the ball game, whatever kind of ball game it is. Some people have a delightful time going to see a good family movie. Some people have a delightful time getting to go out on a date with somebody they love, somebody they want to be with, a delightful time. But the Word of God says to have a delightful time with the Lord. And then it says, when you delight yourself in the Lord, that means you enjoy spending time with Him. You pray, read your Bible, you sing, you praise, you worship. You just tell Him how much you love Him. Just spend time with Him for all He does for you and all He means to you. And then when you spend quality time with Him, now listen to this. Here's the clue. He said He puts His desires in your heart. You want to know what the plan of God is? God says, when you fall in love with Jesus, with His Word, to where you walk with Him, you talk with Him, you thank Him, you love Him. You want to be around people that know Him. You want to be around his church. You think about him all the time. You know, has anybody here ever been young and in love? Anybody here ever been old in love? Has anybody here ever been in love? Well, if you're in love, if you're in love, you want to talk to somebody. You want to go where they want to go. You want to do what they want to do. You want to eat where they want to eat. You enjoy things together. You're delighting yourself in her. 
She's delighting herself in you. You said, oh, man, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. If you delight yourself in Jesus, you're thinking, I can't wait till I get off work so I can go home. I thought about this verse all day long. I can't wait. I want to get home. I can't wait for Wednesday night. Oh, I can't wait for Wednesday night. I get to go to church again. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to have that guest speaker. I can't wait. I want to go hear more about Jesus. You're starting to delight yourself in Him. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about this. God has a specific plan for your life. And He said the number one way to tap into that plan is to delight yourself in the Lord. You know what? Let's just say this. Just one time. If you love Jesus more than you love Facebook, then you're crossing the line where you're starting to delight yourself in Him. Stop sometime. Stop sometime during the course of a week. Put a stopwatch on when you log into Facebook or whatever else you look at. And then punch it when you're done and say how much time you spent on there and mark it down in your diary. Then the next time you open your Bible during the course of the week, put the stopwatch on how much time you spend in the Word of God. And then let me challenge you something. And I'll tell you what, this is going to, we don't believe in blown minds. We believe in renewed minds. Don't want anybody's mind to get blown. We want your mind to be blessed. Put a stopwatch on how much time it takes to be at a church service during the week or two church services. And then take that time and write it down on your calendar or whatever it is. Then look how much time you spent doing this, 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 and this. Compare it. You're going to find out probably 1% of your week was spent in the church stuff. And the devil tells you, don't have time, don't have time, don't have time. And then look at the other things you did. Next time you really feel that you've got to get drawn to those things that are time stealers, he's not going to tell you don't have time. So they do it, do it, do it, do it. That's different with the desires of the flesh and the desires of the heart. Amen. And so you tell him you love him. And then you do it says he puts his desires in your heart. And this is speaking of a specific plan for your life. And in that plan, it's this. You'll start knowing. Now get this. This, this is really helping you to follow the plan of God. You're going to start knowing to marry or not to marry. Who to marry. When to marry. And I was thinking about my life this morning. I was looking at the notes I had jogged down. When I got born again back in 1980, I was 28 and a half years old. I'd been married before, got divorced as a sinner, so I'd been divorced for a few years. Had two little girls, and I, I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. I want to say it again. When I fell in love with Jesus, I fell in love with Jesus. And all my desires for a relationship, again, was totally gone. And before, between divorce and born again, I had a lot of dates and things. So I knew what it was to have be out with people and things like that. I got born again. I found out Jesus was real. I mean, man, my desires left. All I wanted to do was be with Jesus, love Jesus. Of course, I was with my little girls as much as I could be, et cetera, et cetera. I had visitation, that stuff. But after two and a half years of being born again, all of a sudden, I began to get the desire. I want a wife. And so, I prayed, long story short, the Lord gave lovely lady on the front row up here the desire too. She wanted a husband. And so the Lord brought us together. And so now this is where we are. But I've said, I delighted myself in the Lord. He gave me the desire of my heart. He put his desire in my heart for wife. So that his desire became my desire. 
He wanted me to have a wife. And then when we got married, we didn't get married for lust. We got married for ministry. Her number one desire was she wanted to be in the ministry for Jesus. My number one desire, life is up the Lord, I wanted to be in the ministry for Jesus. So God brought us together as a team for ministry. And then those other things, too, they're nice, too. But what I've said, we didn't get married for looks. I was married probably, I think, about three years before I even realized what she looked at. Looked at her what I thought, man, you look good. <laughs> well, all I saw, all I saw, I loved Jesus. And to be honest with you, when I prayed for a wife, I told him, I said, I don't care, Jesus. I said, pardon me, not political correct. I said, fat, skinny, tall, short, black, white, red, brown. I don't care what she is on the outside, Jesus. All I want is the ones on the inside, what you've made for me. That's all I want. Praise God, he gave me a hot, blonde hair, blue-eyed blonde. <laughs> Amen. But what am I saying? I delighted myself in him. He gave me that desire. And so when you delight yourself in him, he'll give you a desire to listen to this, more education or less education. He'll give you that desire. He'll give you desire, college, where to go, when to go. He'll give you the desire, how to pay for it. He puts those things in your heart. He'll give you the desire for the job, career, profession he wants you to be in. He'll give you desire, where to live, to buy, to rent, what to do. He'll give you that desire. We, for the first 30-some years of our marriage, we always, 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 always lived in the country. We didn't want neighbors. We liked, well, start off with all those kids running around. One bathroom, the boys had to have some place to go to the bathroom. But we, we, always, we always liked just having ground around us. And then back in 2009, the Lord gave us the desire to move into the city of Barstow. So we, we, we bought a house in Barstow. We've been in the city, neighbors everywhere, and talk about traffic right across from the high school. Man, oh man, we see yellow all the time. They must have 40 buses there every day. But the thing is, that was the desire of our heart from Jesus for ministry, for pleasure, for joy, for loving it. We live there. We delight ourselves in Him, and He changed our desires from country to change our desires to city. Amen. And so, I want to say this. Now, get this. When you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. That means, all of a sudden, your heart's desires change to become His desires. And then something takes place in the Spirit to where they're not just His desires, they're your desires. And as I put this lesson together, I was looking at John 17 again. And you don't have to turn there, but I wrote a couple of verses down out of John 17 to help me understand this. And John said, you write this down, verse 11, verse 21 through 22. Jesus, in that great prayer, when he was praying before he went to heaven, he was praying to the Father about us, the believers. He prayed, Father, that they may be one as we're one. That I and them, and you and me, and they and us, and we and them, we become one. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, we become one in desire. We become one in our planning. 
become one in our purpose. Mike is doing something I don't want to do. The Marine base is a great job. I'd never, ever, ever, ever want to work at any kind of a factory, a warehouse, and things like that. I like the big wheel. I like looking in my mirrors and seeing about 60 foot of truck behind me. I like being sitting up there high. I like to have fun with my air horn. I like going places. Man, I loved the smell of diesel. That's the bad thing about California, man. They took the smell away. I love the smell of diesel. I love the hum of the diesel engines. I did that for a lot of years. That was my desire. God changed my desire. Be doing what I'm doing now. But God gives you the desires to be at a warehouse or not to be. God gives you the desires to go to college, not to go to college. God gives you the desires to marry, not to marry. God gives you the desires who to marry. God gives you desires where to live. God gives you the desires what to do with your life. But the key is you delight yourself in Him. You fall in love with Jesus that He says He gives you the desires. Well, see the two-pronged purpose of that? He gives you the desires. He gives you the desires. Then He gives you the desires. Amen. He gives them to you. He gives them to you. And so notice this. Verse 5. When he gives them to you, you commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And so when God gives you desires in line with his word, you pray over it. You give it back to him. You live your life. You thank him every day for bringing it to pass. You follow Jesus every day. It says, and he shall bring it to pass. And when I was first born again, and these verses were ministering to me, he said to me this way. And he shot me, not me, shall bring it to pass. And he, not me, shall bring it to pass. And he, not me. And he, not me. And he, not me. And he, not me. He just reverberated that through my soul every day because I wasn't happy. And then I found out about the fruit of the Spirit, patience and long-suffering. So I began to find out that all he wanted me to do, he showed me in my heart the direction to head, what he wanted to accomplish in my life, ministry and things like that. And they let me know. Live your life every day. Thank me every day. Once you know in your heart what it is, the direction you're going, whether you're believing for a mate, believing for God possibly to open a ministry door to you, believing for God to give you a better job or a promotion, when He puts that desire in there, He says He gives you the desires. He gives you the desire, then He gives you the desires of your heart. But you've got to commit it unto Him and trust Him. And the best way to trust Him and anything you believe Him for no matter what it looks like, you get up every day, you praise Him, you thank Him. Lord, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. I'm getting that job. Lord, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. You got that woman for me. You got that man for me. I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm getting my children back. Oh, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. I'm getting my children back. Lord, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. We're getting that house. Lord, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. The finances lining up for that house. I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. As you begin to do those things, and then you leave your house with a smile on your face, Said, Jesus, use me today. Lord, use me today. Just live for him like that. It says you commit your way to him, trust him. It says he'll bring it to pass. God didn't give it to you if he didn't want it to come to pass. And then, of course, Psalms 37, 23, and 31, I told you about those. They just thank him every day. He's ordering your steps. 
Thank you every day. There's the right place at the right time. And verse 31 says, His words in your heart and under your steps shall slide. And so, I confessed these verses out loud for years as I sought to follow God's plan for my life. And guess what? I'm living out my dream. That's after I come through a lot of nightmares. But I'm living out my dream. It came to pass. And so you can know and follow God's plan for your life. God has a specific plan. You can know and follow it. So if you do those things that I taught you from the Word of God, you're going to see God's specific plan come out in your life to be the way He intended it to come out. Amen. Long life, healthy life, joyful life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.